It's Wednesday, September 25th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 524 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 51 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. And this is Brad. All right, so you may be wondering who Brad is, and the truth is, it really doesn't matter. So, <laughs> so what does matter is Fear the Con. Fear yeah. the Con 2020 is going to be June 19th and 20th with a wing night, which is just our social gathering on that Thursday beforehand on the 18th. Uh, it is going to be at the Brentwood Drury again this year, as it was the past few times. And we are getting ready for the Kickstarter coming in October for funding this thing. Yes. So once again, Wayne Knight, June 18th, Fear the Con, June 19th and 20th. I am intending to take that week off. So if there are people that want to come early to do local tourism, we will be bringing that back. So the Kickstarter to fund all of this, as Wayne said, we will be launching it right around the top of October. And as with previous years, if the Kickstarter doesn't fund, nobody loses a dime. The Kickstarter just fails out and we don't do the con. And if the Kickstarter succeeds, no ticket price. You just show up and enjoy yourself. Yep. Uh, We have Mikey Mason confirmed for the Wing Night performance again. And the most updated information is going to be on the Facebook group for Fear the Con. We're going to be posting there at least new information every week throughout the Kickstarter and leading up to it. Yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes because actually off of our website, I've got Fear the Boots Facebook page linked, but I don't have the Fear the Con one linked. So I will put a link to the Facebook group for Fear the Con in the show notes. But if nothing else, if you guys just keep tuning into the episodes, obviously you'll get up-to-date news as we develop it. So I will back up and be nice. So who Brad is... (laughs) Is Brad is going to hurt my feeling there? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I, I you're no fear of the con. Yeah. Well, you're no fear of right. the con. And I know my place. <laughs> unlike Dale, you don't run your own porn site, so you know it, it's hard to get that that crowd appeal. But Brad <laughs> is a longtime friend of Julia's, and that's how we got to know him. I've known Brad for several years now through Julia. He was interested in coming on the show, and I'm like, you know what? Let's do this. So Brad is joining us tonight as a guest host, and we're going to see if he can actually keep up with the rest of us. Ooh, tall order. We'll Let's see what I can do. Just interrupt people yeah. and say whatever. Be less polite than Dale. Got it. The second thing is we're going to give a shout-out to something that is not directly ours, but we are sort of affiliated with which is one of our fellow shows. It's located here in the Midwest, right across the river from us in the dark lands of Illinois, Gamer's Table, which we now know they're Gamer's Table because in a previous year, I funded the capital letter. Like, they asked what I wanted. Then did I want, like, a guest appearance on a show? Did I want to pick a topic? And I said, no, I'm buying a capital letter. This is like Wheel of Fortune. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I need to know, are you gamers table or gamers stable? And they declare their gamers table and even change their logo to now have a capital T. So gamers table is doing a Kickstarter for their next season. The season of the glitch, they're calling it. Yes. Based on their rather successful all-female shadow run actual play resting glitch face, which is a hilarious freaking name. 
So, Dan, have you watched the video on the Kickstarter? No, I haven't. Because you're in it like four times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes with little speech bubbles over your head saying okay. things. I'm and... going to have to look at this because I was trying to watch it at work today, but I was on my phone and there's a bunch of chaos drama at work. So I did not end up watching the video. I did read the Kickstarter, but they have just launched that as of this recording. So that will be running for a month. So by the time this show goes live, there will be about three weeks left on it. And even as of this recording, they are pretty close to funding the Kickstarter. But the way they've structured it is the base product of them doing a season of Gamers Table is a relatively low dollar amount. And that's their base funding goal. But then they have a bunch of really cool stuff at very reasonably priced stretch goals where they're going to do some things, one of which is bringing back a show they had called Trench Monkeys, where they have military veterans giving their perspective on gaming. Another show that they're talking about doing, it's called Something 20. Big 20. Big Big 20, 20. where what they want to do is have, it's my understanding, and don't quote me on this because my understanding may not be accurate, that it's a live streaming show. Yep. Live streaming GM Roundtable yeah. with guest hosts from other podcasts yes. to give a different perspective. And they have already actually tapped several of us from Fear of the Boot to be hosts on that show. If you're interested in seeing them produce this, both the main show and then also Trench Monkeys and Big 20 or whatever it's called. I could be off on the name. No, it's Big 20. Okay. Then, if not, it is now. Then check the show notes because I will have a link to their Kickstarter as well. And once again, the Fear of the Con one is not live yet. It will be live in a couple of weeks. Be ready to act. Yes. So in our Saturday group, I got to talking to one of our players. Her name's Laura. I used to say she's new to gaming, but, you know, she's been with our group for about two years. When she came to our group, she had never been in a uh, long-term game before. And uh, she had been in, like, a couple of one-shots here and there, but really wasn't... I don't even think she necessarily considered herself a gamer, but she joined our group. And we did, I I think, about a two-year-long 5e game that I ran, and she was great. In fact, she was so good, we got a lot of topics for the show out of it, uh, especially involving new players and running for new players and such. Wayne ran a short campaign for us, and now I'm running Blades in the Dark for us. You can't call her new anymore. She learned that NPCs can lie. Yeah, exactly. She has been around, so she is a more experienced gamer. And she was saying that she had been to Gen Con recently, and she was saying that maybe some of the games that she played at Gen Con were not quite at the bar that like Wayne and I had kind of set for our gaming, and they were a little disappointing. So I was, so I told her, I'm like, well, you know, one way to fix that run a game for yourself be a game master and then you get to choose what's good and what's bad and and you get to control it and she was like oh no no no, no i can't do that i don't know and uh i told her you know our gaming group has a tradition we pause whatever game we're playing and we run a halloween game so like a horror type game and then at christmas time we also pause whatever we're doing and we run a halloween specifically run secret lives of gingerbread men and I told her, anybody can run the Halloween horror game. Why don't you run the Halloween horror game? And she was she was like, ah, nah. and then she stopped and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run this game. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to run. I don't know if it'll be any good, but I'm going to do it. And then she got that like deer in the headlights look of yep. dread on her face, which was great. So the topic 
that I'm pitching for today. Because she'll listen to it because we talked about her. Right. So the uh, the Halloween game, is that this Halloween coming up? Yes. Okay. Yep. So in November, we'll get an after-action report. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, okay. we will definitely talk about it on the show. Not No pressure for her, because she does listen to the show. <laughs> so she's got about a month and a half yes. to internalize this advice. Right. Actually, less than that, because this show will drop in a week or two. Yeah, right. right. I mean, <laughs> so, from recording. From recording. So if she's backing the Patreon, right. then she'll have about a month and a half. Yep. If she's not dropping the Patreon, she loses a week. And, and that's, that's, that's what her, happens when you don't back the that's Patreon. That's her fault. If she right. loses a week of prep time. That's right. Yeah. And that could happen to anybody. So, yes. you know, mm-hmm. Fear the Boot has a Patreon. Right. You right. support it. Every right. one yeah. of you could be about to run the most embarrassing game of your life. And the advice we had on the prior mm-hmm. week's episode could have been what saved you from making a complete jackass of yourself in front of your friends and family. And the whole world, mm-hmm. everyone. I've actually lost track of how many times someone has reached out to me and said, the episode you guys just released fit perfectly with the situation I have and could not have been at a better time. If they support and most the of them, Patreon. And most of them are Patreon supporters. <laughs> oh. See, they're benefiting from that in ways that everyone imagined. So my topic for today is giving Laura advice. It's her first game. It's a horror game, which is a challenge in and of itself. And it is for a table full of veteran players. Okay, so that right there. I think there's a lot to be said about a new GM running their first game. I think there's a lot to be said about horror games. Mm -hmm. But the place that I want to start is with the subtopic that you put in there, which is running a game for veteran players when you are the newbie. Right. Because typically, the stereotypical arrangement is the GM is the experienced one. They're the one that bought the product, read the books, knows what's going on. And if there's a newbie, it's a player. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, everyone here has been gaming for 20 years, and here's a GM who's been gaming for one. Right. (laughs) Or, you know, if even that. And I know in Laura's case, I guess it's probably been, what, two or three, or Mm -hmm. I don't even know. For some reason, I think Wayne's brand new to gaming, even though it's been like a decade now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I I have no concept of time, okay? I don't know if that's ever come out in this show. <laughs> I have literally no concept of time. Earlier, I thought of an idea I wanted to run past Pat, okay? <laughs> this, this is how messed up my sense of time is. So, I want to talk about that. Let's start mm-hmm. there. Is how do you run it? Here's the thing about veteran players. There's more than one kind of veteran player in this situation. There's the veteran player that sees this is a new person. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to help them. Then there is the vet. It's probably more than even two. But there's a veteran player that sees this is a new GM. I'm going to get away with so much in this game. And there are probably other veteran players that don't even think about the fact that this is a new GM. And this is just the game and they're showing up. And I would subdivide the latter type of player into two groups. One is the people that they treat it like a substitute teacher. Where, I mean, come on, we were all in elementary school or junior high, high school. We know what it was like when there's a substitute teacher and that was the getaway with murder day. You know, that was throw paper airplanes. So I've actually been all of those types of players at various (laughs) points with various games. (laughs) My only advice is pay attention to the players because if you don't, they'll get away with murder. Yeah. Well, how do you keep them from getting away with murder? Like, what do you look for? So in this particular instance, 
we were playing a Super Friends wor- World of Darkness, where we were all a different type of supernatural. Okay, I, I thought I was literally trying to reconcile like Super Friends. Oh, right. yeah. 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 No, I was Aquaman. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's uh-huh. what I was trying to reconcile. No, um, so we were all a different type of supernatural critter in the world of darkness okay. setting. Right, right. And the game master didn't really pay a lot of attention to me, the mage. So the I, one who can literally bend reality. Yes. So I got bored because no story was involving me, and I took my apartment and I turned it into a TARDIS. I made it bigger <laughs> on the outs on the inside than on the outside, and I also made a lightsaber as a starting level character. <laughs> and. <laughs> Nobody paid attention, so eventually I had a TARDIS and a lightsaber, and here I am, a flat standard character with maybe 15 experience points, which, uh, for anybody who doesn't know World of Darkness, is woefully, woefully low level. Hmm. Nowhere near should have been able to do those things, but he wasn't paying attention, so know what the characters of your players can do. Mm. Well, yeah, okay, and I, I think that's the two types, or how I would divide the two types is are they trying to willfully get away with something wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or do they simply just know the game in a way you don't, and they're not trying to get away with something insidious, mm-hmm. but they're able to do so, but they know they just know the game in a way you don't. But they're don't. able to power game and, yeah, within yeah, the yeah. rules to I think, produce a plus 40 strength character. Right. Okay. And I think that for all GMs and for Laura, too, you look at your group, you, th- you think about the people in your group, and it's like, are these people the type to cause shenanigans? You know, and I'm not talking like, oh, hey, they do fun stuff in game and maybe mm-hmm. they get a little silly, but I'm like, are they going to take advantage of the rules to screw my game or not? Now, some groups start will do that, and some people have a lot of fun doing that, and if you know that going in, you can handle yeah, it. Yeah, Clark, so, Brad, in your case, it sounds mm-hmm. like you did what you did because you were bored and excluded. Right, because... I was not involved. Right. Nobody really made an effort to pull me into their individual mm. stories. So so the attitude was, rel- even if the result was bad, the attitude was relatively benign. Mm-hmm. So yeah. from that example, the first piece of advice I give, if we're talking for a campaign versus a one shot, mm-hmm. and it's a system that you know that the people are more comfortable with than you are, mm-hmm. pick one of them out to help you with going over the mechanics in the building. Chad is a veteran player. Mm-hmm. Chad, when he was running D&D, used me as a resource to help the other players and do the math for the other players. Yep. Because he hadn't run 5E and hadn't really played much of it at that point. Yeah, I hadn't played it at all. It yeah. was totally new to me. And contrary to popular belief, I did actually run the game into in using the rules and numbers, math, all that sort of yeah. stuff. There was no like behind-the-scenes magic like I usually do. I think the same thing goes mm-hmm. for a new GM that is mm-hmm. running for the first time, if someone at the table knows that system, they are then helping you check the math of everything. In our group, it was never an issue of someone's trying to squeeze out something yeah. they shouldn't. It was a, everybody was shortchanging themselves because they didn't understand the rules. Right. right. Yeah. And that's the thing with our group. I don't think Laura has anything to worry about with anyone in our group, mm-hmm. like trying to get one over on her. But other groups are like that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's all about knowing who you're running for, which is like that is like one of the most basic GM tools for anything for any for a veteran player, for a non-veteran player is you got to know your group. But let's say that your first game is going to be a con game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't you know your group. So in that case, find a friend that does know the system 
and help them yeah, ask I, for help making the characters. This is something, and Wayne, I'm going to slightly build on and slightly rephrase your advice because I think you're hitting on something really important there, which is pick out an advocate. Because if you have somebody in the group that you've approached and said, I need your help to be successful, typically people are going to respond to that accordingly. You know, they're not going to be even unintentionally adversarial in nature. They're going to be very aware of that. And if you pick out someone who really loves the game, who really knows the game, they're probably going to want to proselytize the game. They're not going to want to scare you away from it. And so they're going to want to help you succeed at that game. The first time that I tried running the board game, pseudo role-playing game, Descent for a group, I think it was Meow Meow Matthews, (laughs) who had my back because he knew the rules better than I did. And he clarified some things for me and even had some these really nice character templates. He'd like put your cars on and such as we were playing. And I had done something similar years back for a guy who was terrified to run Battletech for me. He finally decided he's going to run Battletech for a group. And he hit me up on the side and said, look, A, would you go easy on me? And B, help me with this. Mm-hmm. And so I pointed some things out to him as we were playing the game. Like, okay. I saw what you did with the enemies there, but truth be told, you can do that. I'm going to move here, and that's the end of your Mac. Why don't you try this instead or something? And I think that's important, too, is I think it's okay for a game master in that situation to say, hey, guys, it's my first time. How about let's go easy on me? And I think that when you admit that, again, depending on the the room here, you got to know your players, people are going to want to help you, you know, because... They want a certain kind of fun out of the experience, and they want to help you deliver that fun. I think one other thing you can do is pick a system that none of them have ever played. You got to be careful with the system, because I I was thinking about this all day, and off the top of my head, I would say, oh, you pick a system that's really rules light. You know, you want rules light because it's a one shot. You go into it. You don't have to spend. You can spend all your time on the story and whatnot, but you have to be careful because a lot of rules light systems are very theatrical, improv-based. They're very, what Chris Hussey called the hippy-dippy games, you know, which are great. They need a lot of soft skills. So I've watched a player sit down and try to run something like an inspector's game or mm -hmm. something where you roll the dice and then you tell the GM what happens. Yeah, And they came in with a story and they were completely and totally lost and had, because that's what they were trying to do, a really Mm -hmm. rules-light system, but it didn't fit the typical, yeah. I have a story I want to run you through. Even in a rules light system, with experienced players, they'll be able to think quicker outside the box. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. a mastery of rules mechanics. I mean, referencing earlier, this is a cooperative game. Yes, um, This is a cooperative hobby. Everybody sits around the same table and wants to do the same thing, have a fun time. So if I, as a player know how to deliver that Mm -hmm. with the portion of the story I can tell with my character, then it doesn't matter what game system I use. I can deliver a quality story with anything. So yes, admitting that the GM is new will pull all the players to your side because then everybody will be like, Oh, that means we all have to step up our game of not necessarily the mastery of the rules because the rules just facilitate the fun. Right. Yep. right. So on the other side of that, I remember when I was an early GM, one of the things that got to me was setting. I didn't want to run a setting for somebody who knew that setting way more than me. 
So in the beginning, I would have never run a Skies of Glass game for Dan. I would do that now, mm-hmm. gladly. I would have never run a Battletech game for Dan. I still wouldn't do that. <laughs> There's way too much proper nouns and things in a Battletech game. I don't know. Yeah, well, and that, that is one of the advantages of running, and I'm not saying this is a cure-all, but that is one of the advantages of running a lighter game is... It doesn't have a setting, necessarily. Well, yeah, it doesn't have a setting. The rules aren't hardcore, because I would really hate to see a new GM, you know, struggling to deliver stories, struggling to figure out how to read the table. They're nervous. Mm-hmm. They've got their thoughts all crazy, and they're not terribly organized because they're worrying about all these different things. And then on top of that, they're trying to figure out what happens when you double shot arrows mm-hmm. into melee that involves a horse rider. Right. <laughs> and it's... Do you really want to get stuck up in those weeds? Now, once again, I'm not saying that a light game is a cure-all. Right. But I think it, that's it's much better than, like, running whatever the RPG equivalent is of Advanced Squad Leader. Right. Yeah, and it, let me go back to a Battletech game that I just mentioned, where a guy who did not know Battletech nearly as well as I did, particularly at the time, when I was freaking writing for the game, was really hesitant to run it for me. And, I, you know, I assured him, look, I'm not going to be a jerk to you. And there was one point where he kind of asked me how he was doing, and I said, well, technically I could make like one phone call to Comstar, and they would show up and end this entire plot on our behalf, but I'm not going to do that because I don't want to setting lawyer you any more than I want to rules lawyer you on this. You know, my goal here as someone who's not a complete a-hole is to help you succeed at telling a story and running a good game. Now, there's another piece of advice that people might not think of. Your new GM got a table full of veterans. You're nervous, but you're there. You're running it halfway through. Do not ask how the game's going. <laughs> the reason you don't do this is because someone might be a jerk and say, Oh, I'm thinking it's about a six out of ten. <laughs> well, <laughs> even, even if you don't get that, I think if you're already that self conscious. Even if someone's like, it's a nine out of a ten, mm-hmm. but you know, oh, I'm screwing up the one. Why? Precisely, yeah. you you fix it, right? To, to borrow my one of my new favorite words, I picked up from my sister. You perseverate, <laughs> and you just you hyper fixate mm-hmm. on whatever it is they said. Like, well, you're doing a great job, but you're a little off in your understanding of goblin ecology. No, the game's ruined. <laughs> yeah, and so suddenly you you yeah. fake a dump to run to the bathroom. <laughs> To read six pages on goblin ecology and you're and then oh, you're no, like, wait no, a minute, no, a wizard, no go- yeah, a wizard just cast a spell. All goblins are dead in this setting now. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So I have done that, asked my players how they're doing with the game, but I would always ask like at the end at the of, end at the end of yeah, the session. Afterward. And that was always me fishing for new ideas mm. of what they wanted. Yeah, because they're not gonna give you an honest answer of how <laughs> you did. Right. No, no, they're not, but I can always pick up like a clue or two of oh you like you like you thought that was fun all right well, i'm gonna throw six more of those at you or oh this is a so you you don't understand the story i have for your character oh uh, okay all right i'm gonna throw mm-hmm. a couple more twists at you so talk to the players right it's, uh, communicate and and i think that and this goes for anyone you could be a 20-year veteran when you at when i ask my players hey guys how is the game going? What did you think of that game? Because I ask at the end. I don't ask at the middle. How did that go? No one will look at me and say, that game sucked. <laughs> no one will do that, even if it did suck. Even if you mm-hmm. ran a stinker. 
because people aren't confrontational. People aren't necessarily rude. Now, of course, there's a couple people yelling at the podcast right now going, they told me I sucked and you're wrong. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to me. But what generally, seems to happen more where you actually get the advice is when Chad and I worked together, mm-hmm. we would talk about the game through the week. Yeah. And if there was a problem with the game, it would usually come out during the course of the week. Mm-hmm. But not as a, oh, hey, you screwed this up. It would be, as we talk about the game, things come up, and eventually that comes out. But you don't have that with every one of your players, typically. And, well, you guys work together now, but that's not something I don't work with any of my players. Understand that your players are not going to give you a full, honest reaction. And understand you don't want a full, honest reaction. That's just how it works. Now, as players, when the question gets asked, you need to be positive. You know, and I'm not saying anyone should lie, but you need to be positive. You know, it's like, hey, I think you really put a lot into it. I really like the amount of detail you put into this. And I really liked uh, this scene was really cool. And I liked the role play between Wayne and I. And you set that up. That was great. I think that the combat rules can be a little tighter, but that comes with time. And remember, we're here to help you out. It's okay to say something negative. You just have to, you know, not be a dick about it. Yeah, and I don't believe in the sandwich. No, I don't either. The compliment, then give your criticism, and then compliment again. Your a character... lot of people do that. Nobody is going to remember the two compliments. They're going to focus on the Your NPCs were... Most people see through it anyway. Yes, and then they the compliments know the mean nothing anymore. Like... You, your NPCs were really good. You had no clue what the setting was about, but I like that one character. Yeah. No, no, that's that's the dick move. Right it's there. insincere, yeah. and I think most people see through it anyway. Well, and we talk a lot about asking for advice at the end and asking how the game went. There's one thing I don't think we've ever hit on. Hmm. Sometimes the problem with the game wasn't the person running it. If the problem that someone has is with another player, and yeah. they're not going to say it right there at the table in front of you. People don't like confrontation. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Otherwise, we'd be screaming at each other all the time. Right? Yes. Otherwise, so, real life would look like Twitter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially since usually these games are played amongst friends. Yes. So if I have a problem with you, Chad, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it because, well, in all honesty, we're friends and it's a it's a minor annoyance right. that's that's getting on with me. But Why impact the friendship over a game? Right. But, but playing the game, there is a slight thing because maybe you're doing something that's inhibiting my story. Mm-hmm. Well, then, in that case, that's the domain of the GM to try to put a little bit of separation between the two of us to allow things to occur yeah. so that everybody gets their own time in the limelight. Right. So I'm going to throw on a piece of advice here that the first way of phrasing this that came to mind is kind of misleadingly obscene, and I'm going to stick with it so people will remember it. Prioritize your balls. I always do. (laughs) All right. Here's what I mean. When you're a new GM and you're playing, once again, particularly with veteran players Mm -hmm. and you're feeling that pressure or you're playing at a convention where you don't know what your audience is, maybe they're brand new players. Maybe they're also veteran players. It is very easy to get overwhelmed by the number of things that go into game mastering. All right. The number of balls you have Mm -hmm. in the air. Okay. Juggling. This is the metaphor I'm using though. The way I phrased it, it sounds off, that's, and I like That's it. a long walk for that. It is. <laughs> but it's not my balls. <laughs> it is. Just, you know, racquetballs or tennis mm-hmm. balls or whatever, ping pong balls, whatever you're good at juggling. But you're sitting there thinking about, 
Do I have my rules right? Do I have stat blocks for all my NPCs and all my monsters? What if they ask me about a rule I don't know real well? What about the setting? You know, what about my opening descriptions? What about the personality I present the NPCs with? What about the depth of the plot? What if they do something I don't expect and I fumble a bit because I'm not prepared to handle it? Or what if somebody at the table has a stronger personality than I do and overwhelms me as a GM? This is where I want to say to the new GMs, you got to prioritize which of the balls you're juggling. Because as far as I am concerned, while it is great to keep 15 of them in the air at once, that is either luck or that is a lot of practice. It's one of the two. Usually it's both. That is not a goal. I don't recommend Mm -hmm. that as a goal because I don't think that's a fair expectation for yourself. What I would recommend is focus on just one. If you can pass just one ball from right hand to left, close enough. And here's the one that I would recommend. Remember that your job, first and foremost, is to help the table have collaborative fun. Yep. As long as people are having fun, the rest of it doesn't matter. If you fudged a rule on arrows, who cares? Right. If somebody had to point out something in the setting that you weren't aware of, take it in stride. Let it go. It doesn't matter if halfway through laura this is the advice yeah right here if you didn't listen to anything else this is the advice let's and i'm gonna i want to expand on one of them you said dan particularly the what if they did something that i didn't expect don't worry about that they're going to do something you didn't expect and it's going to throw everything up in the air yeah that is part of the fun in gming and that was something i had to learn when i started running games was You can't prepare for every eventuality, and and if you spend your time trying to, you're not going to spend the time you should be spending on other parts of the game. And you don't know even necessarily what the party's going to latch on to. I mean, I'm going to keep torturing this metaphor because of the fact that I think it works. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you have never in your life juggled before, and I hand you six racquetballs, each one's a different color, and say, I want you to juggle all six of these. You are probably not going to be able to predict which one will be the last still in the air. Okay, I'll assume most people, assuming you're basically physically able, can at least toss one ball back and forth between right hand and left, all right? But if I hand you six balls and you can't juggle, you're probably not going to be able to predict, well, the yellow one is the last one I'm going to have after I've dropped the other five. You just can't predict that. And in the same way in a game, you don't know where that game is going to go. People might latch onto the setting. They might latch mm-hmm. on to a particular NPC, they might latch on to interacting with each other and hardly even pay attention to your plot. Now, on the surface, that sounds counterintuitive to what I just said. Because if you don't know what they're going to latch on to, oh my gosh, panic, 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 I better bring an A game on all of them. So whichever flavor of ice cream they pick, it's the best damn vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, Rocky Road, whatever (laughs) that they've ever had. But I'm going the reverse direction with that. You go ahead and bring them all at a B or a C. You know, you bring them all where they're they're good, Mm -hmm. but they're not great. And when the players find something, don't worry. Players are great at making something wonderful in their own minds. One of the things that I've kind of talked to Chad in particular about is why in the Skies of Glass game, one of the NPCs, Fat Tony, Mm -hmm. who is, he's got a backstory, 
but he's not super deep. He's not super interesting. He doesn't bring any detail to the plot. He doesn't bring any clarity to the story. Why does the party enjoy him so much? And the answer is because he's just, well, it, it is a little bit complicated of <laughs> an answer. The short answer is he's entertaining. Yeah. The longer answer that Chad pointed out is that Tony is a very thin veneer for role-playing with an exaggerated Muppet of a character. that It hits very close to interacting with me as a person, right. just a particular angle of my humor. And that's what I'm trying to say is you as a game master, look, you may not know what it is. Chances are you already do something well. And chances are you already do something well enough that the people at the table are going to latch onto it. Even if you didn't bring your A game, even if you brought your B or C game in that regard, it may still be the best one they've seen today. You know, mm-hmm. And too many new GMs have this thought in their head that the entire game is on my shoulders. No, nope. It is my responsibility. Everything is my responsibility. Yeah. If that is, fun. get a new group. It is all about offloading as much as you possibly yeah. can yeah. onto the group. When Rules, you're doing a group, story, NPCs, everything. So, when it's your regular group that you know, they're all there because they're friends and they're wanting to have a good time and they're going to work with you to have a good time. So I've got a Shadowrun group that I play with, um, and we recently rotated GMs. One of the players stepped up to the Game Master, and the current Game that Game Master stepped it down. Kudos to this new guy. Yeah, it's been great. And that's something that he's going through right now. He's trying to take everything, but he is also learning rather quickly from the previous GM that... Oh, so something happens. All right, Chad, tell me what it is. Or <laughs> or Dan, tell me who this contact is. Or Wayne, describe this scene because this is your intro scene. This is your montage. And he's offloading these mm-hmm. bits of flair and fluff to us as players and then making us spin our wheels in the dirt, coming up with you something know, and, on the and spot. That mm-hmm. right there, I think, speaks to a broader point. Which is a lot of newer game masters, when they're trying to line up all those pieces, they are so worried about them being right. And them being right means exerting control. Mm-hmm. So them being right means that I've statted out all man PCs. I've written out all this information. I've read 18 setting books. I've done this. I've done that. I've done the other. You know, they think it's a huge amount of homework. But what you just talked about there, I think, is really important of being prepared to let go of things. Because sometimes that's where the greatest success is, is not in the things you control, but in the things you don't. Let me use Inspectors as an example. And I'm not saying Inspectors is a go-to game for new GM. I think it's a good option. Mm-hmm. But Inspectors, for anyone who's never played it, there are multiple games. I even say it's a rough game for new GM. Yeah, Because that's agree. another one where it's the players tell the story yeah. sort of thing. But, but I think Inspectors does raise, nonetheless, a, a useful point to this particular topic. Because for anyone who's not played Inspectors, there are multiple game mechanics that actually tell you at this point, you pass the baton to the players. The players roll success. They have to explain what it is they turned up. They roll a conditional success. So success or some failure. They have to explain that. You have these confessional chips where once a game you can lay down a chip. It's like you turn to the camera and say, well, it was about that time that I realized this girl stop was a date story tall station <laughs> from the Paleolithic era. And 
But the point is that they take over in a direction you didn't expect. To what Brad was saying, the players taking over something because you didn't have it fully prepared or you did and they took it in a direction you didn't expect, that's not something to be afraid of. So one other piece of advice that I want to give, going back again to my first couple games that I ran at a con, get your head out of your notes. Yeah. The first game I tried to run, I had all my notes on a laptop, had it in OneNote because I've been using OneNote since like early 2000-ish time frame, the first version that came out. But I had everything all on computer and I had the laptop there and it wasn't clicking until I closed my lid and made eye contact with the players. I think for a your first time running something, there is a little bit of a tendency to have notes, mm-hmm. to be looking down a lot, make eye contact with your players and just do it. Don't hide behind your sheet of paper, your laptop, your whatever. Just go with it. And remember, you're there running the game. You're there to have fun, too. Yep. And if you're spending all your time reading your notes or referencing this, you're not interacting with the players. And that's what role playing is all about. You can have three paragraphs written on your NPC. None of that comes out until you're role playing with your players. And they don't want to see a sheet of paper or the back of a laptop. They want to see you looking at them, making hand gestures like I'm doing now that nobody can (laughs) see. But I still do it because... Mm -hmm. It is part of getting out there and being loud and just going with it. Wayne, if I can uh, chime in, I always found that keeping my notes as minimal as possible because then I would not get bogged down in the minutiae of how we got to the plot points that I wanted to get to. So I would be I would know, all right, I need to get to plot point A, B and C tonight. Uh, to to keep on schedule. I would just let my players get there because God knows they're not going to go the way I expect <laughs> ever. So here's where the, here's where plot A is. All right, we got there. Ha, ah, congratulations. Also, maybe you don't get as far. Maybe you don't get to see until two sessions from now because they derail it because they, they want to go talk to the pizza delivering squirrel. That's okay because if everyone's having fun... That's the point of the game. And that's really your own fault. Because if you put a pizza delivering squirrel in the game... I know, right? And, and they are ma- going to go talk to And them. I yeah. don't make it a plot point? Yes. Yeah. Well, that was plot point Q. It <laughs> was supposed to be with the higher level when they find out later. But yeah, they yeah. stumbled upon it. Because mm-hmm. they went that way that I didn't expect. So, a lot of advice for GMs. Let's reverse it a bit. What advice, in this scenario, would we give the players? Don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> don't be don't a dick. dick. Yeah. Okay. So that's the obvious one. And that's the most important one is don't be a jerk intentionally. And also don't be a jerk unintentionally. If you need to say, well, actually, yeah, you've already failed. It's if they're off by a little bit, it's fine to suggest to them. It's fine to say, um, hey, actually, they should get a plus two cover bonus. Okay, that's fine. Only make suggestions that help. Yeah, you don't need to be combative. No, they should have a 17 instead of a 15. Because keep that to yourself. Admire (laughs) that it takes a lot of courage for somebody to do this. And in order to grow the hobby, we have to bring in new people who are willing to take that chance. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you owe a day of the week for the rest of your life to a crappy Mm -hmm. game if this person's not growing as a GM. What I am saying is have some social courtesy. Right. You don't go into somebody's house as a guest and spend the whole four hours there for dinner nitpicking everything that's wrong with their house. It's just a dick move. It's the hardest thing to do and think of at the moment. But ask yourself a question before you 
give a piece of advice. Why are you saying it? Yeah. Yeah. If what you're about to correct is because this is your setting and you know all about it and you're happy with this setting and that didn't match it, that's not a good reason to give advice. Right. If it's because the person is stumbling and they they're looking for something, that's a better chance to, you know, hey, I don't know if you know, but there's a rule that for this. Oh, hey, that's perfect. Sometimes I would chime in when a newer game master made a ruling or did an action that impacted my character, but I would always make sure to bring up the rule that would make it more difficult for my character. I was very leery mm-hmm. of of bringing up rules that would oh benefit my oh in this yeah. instance I get a plus eight no 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 you don't bring that up right you always like oh well so in this instance I'm actually at a disadvantage because of this that I have here on my sheet mm-hmm. that helps the the game master learn the rules and then that helps keep the table the whole table honest mm-hmm. because then that honesty does foster a better working relationship. I actually had, I had people give me dirty looks a couple times in the (laughs) 5e game when I'd say, you know, something to Chad that would hurt us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, Hey, that fire, we have armor that's weak to fire. Right. Right. It's going to totally screw. Yeah. I know there are two or three Mm -hmm. instances of it where people would just give me dirty looks for it. But I think that's important. If, if somebody is actively and they want to learn the rules and they want to use them, then it's just as important to tell when it's against you more important, I think, mm-hmm. than when it's for. So one of the things that a person can do to a player can do that's not that great is overwhelm with help. Every rule thing that the game master is trying to put out there, double check it, triple check it. Maybe you have nothing but love and friendship in your heart and you're you're helping, but you're overwhelming them with help. You know, maybe there's a little inconsistency in their plot. It's a, hey, you know, there's a little inconsistency there. Did you mean to do that? What you should do as a player is you should look for opportunities to help. And those opportunities are flagged only by the loss of momentum. If the game is rolling and going good and yeah. everything is going on and they are making mistakes, but it is not stopping the game shut the fuck up yep and in if some... it is stopping the game if it is okay i want to grapple with the ogre oh shit. uh flip 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 index grapple flip 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 this hey uh grapple rules uh you're a big ogre 2d20 with advantage uh target is this boom got it well, moving on grapple rules are yes crazy they're, anyway they're yeah, so. well the advice would be just have them roll high. Just have them roll D20 roll high. <laughs> just so keep going. Pose D20s yeah. plus strength. Yeah, yeah that's... Boom. <laughs> so along those lines, sometimes it's important to let someone make the mistake. Yes. I yep. remember when I first started gaming, I was gaming with all you know advanced players who had been gaming for years. And I would be getting constant advice about things of, oh, you don't want to do that. We've done this for years. And here's why you don't yeah. do that. It's like, I need to experience those myself. Mm-hmm. There's a difference <laughs> between helping someone and not letting them have the experiences that you yourself had when you went through. What Wayne is talking about is why I ran a 5e game with all the rules straight up. I ran it because Laura had never played in a, a full campaign before, and I was running straight D&D. Now, I did put my own spin on it, but mostly through the plot and the story. And because Wayne had brought up many times that he missed out on those opportunities. And a lot of that was my fault. A lot of that was me running my kinds of games 
and depriving in a way Wayne of that. And and you were right. And I'm like, ah, I want to correct that. Now I can't go back in time and help Wayne, but I do have an opportunity with this person. And so yeah. that's what I did. And I, I think the way that I would phrase that is that it's important to advocate for the GM, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they stand to gain a whole lot from outright coddling. Yes. That I think it's important, and this kind of balances the two points of advice that we've given here, is on the one hand, you as a player need to be rooting for the GM to succeed because if the GM succeeds, how do we measure GM success? By the enjoyment of the table. The GM wins, everybody wins. If everybody wins, the GM wins. Okay, that's just that's how role-playing works. It's, it's collaborative fun. So you ought to be advocating for the GM, and that could mean keeping a read on them. That could mean picking up when the plot slows down. That could mean shutting up when they're doing just fine, not overhelping, as Chad mentioned. Mm-hmm. That could mean latching on to things that, like, if you notice they're stumbling, you become more proactive and say, well, you know what, I'm going to talk to this NPC more because you notice that the GM isn't really sure what to do next mm-hmm. or something like that. But if the person's going to grow as a GM, just as you don't want to overhelp because of the fact that that can be overwhelming in and of itself, I don't know that the GM stands to gain a whole lot from you just absolutely coddling them. Mm-hmm. You know, you said well, you're running the game for them. That or it's this patronizing, you know, you're sitting there clapping because they got the ice cream cone to their mouth. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. I mean, come on. It's, I think it's fair to expect the GM to at least try. I think it's fair to give some very politely phrased suggestions to the GM probably after the game is over about things that they did, they could maybe do better. I think one way I would put it is if I were playing a game and let's say Dan is the new GM, Chad is an experienced GM, same situation comes up. For Dan, I am not going to take advantage of a, you know, what seems to be a mistake or something. I'm not going to do something incredibly overly clever that's going to break something that I might do with chat. You do that to me all the time. It's great. Yeah. Along the same lines, though. (laughs) But I've been doing this since I was 14. Yeah. Along the same lines with Chad, I'm going to intentionally do things that are bad ideas Mm -hmm. because as I regularly do that with my characters, my characters make mistakes that I, as a player, know are mistakes. I don't necessarily know that I would do that with a new GM until they're used to it. So I'm going to play more middle of the road for a new GM versus Chad's going to get my extremes Mm -hmm. because I know he's ready for my extremes. Example of this is Skies of Glass. I play Gil. Gil makes the worst decisions on the face of the planet, yet everyone looks to him for leadership, and I intentionally make the bad calls that will have the worst outcomes. I can do that because everybody around the table is a veteran player. (laughs) Most of them, if not all of them, are game masters as well. And Dan is an excellent game master, and he's been doing it for years. He's a pro, so he can handle it. And it it is the failures that make the story in that. If that was not the case, like when Laura runs this Halloween game, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to set these characters up for failure with the intention of her having to dig us out of the plot hole that we made. That's just another ball she's Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to coddle because right. for this exact reason. I want to give her a middle-of-the-road play mm-hmm. for me. She's not going to get my extremes either way. She's going to get good, a, solid role-playing from Wayne. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. help when she needs it. So we've often given the advice that GMs need to be able to read the table and to read the players. I think the other version or the inverse version of that advice is equally true, which is, especially with the new GM, the players need to be able to read the GM. Mm-hmm. If you go into Laura's game and it's all about witches, okay, that's maybe where your head needs to be at. Is, right. is that's the game she's trying to run? That's where she's at? No, I'm playing someone who hates witches. Well, well, I mean, maybe <laughs> the witches are the bad guy. I don't know. I, Not I'm in just, this game. Okay, that, that's <laughs> fine. But I mean, wherever it is you see she's at, mm-hmm. you got to I mean, go there. It, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if she leads off with, okay, so you guys have been asked to spend the night in a haunted house. Oh, my character hates haunted houses. Yeah, I'm gonna go look up Airbnb yeah. and I'm gonna stay at a nice yeah, place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna g- sleep in the van. Right. Yeah, you I'm know? gonna get drunk down the road. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I read. Yeah. It's not too hard to read. We're, the we're cues. playing a game literally called Laura's Haunted House Adventure. And you're not going in the haunted house. Yes. You, you are the dick. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like your character is going to be sitting there doing nothing all night. I know. Right? Just like you are. As a GM is one of the passive aggressive ways yeah. I'd handle it. I the would aggressive handle it aggressive as... ways to kill you. Right. The passive aggressive way would be. Yeah. Okay. You go down to the roadhouse. You're drinking highballs all night yeah. while everyone else is having fun. Enjoy your bag of Twizzlers. The rest of us are going to play a game. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I think we're going to wrap this one up. I am curious on a person that's a month and a half away. If I could make a suggestion, Dread, the game system Dread with Mm -hmm. the Jenga Tower is innately placed to horror. All right, we are very familiar with that. All right. (laughs) Yeah, because it creates a great deal of tension, Mm -hmm. particularly when the last time I played Dread, it was with a guy where he's legally blind and (laughs) I have micro tremors. Mm -hmm. So. Sounds like a great game. It was, Red X, it was a mess. It was, it was a mess. I don't remember. Was I playing the hooker in that one? That was the old West. Well, you play yeah, a hooker in every game. You're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I was at the table with Dan mm-hmm. for this, and it was... I knew I was not going to be the one to knock the tower over. <laughs> so <laughs> I right. always knock the tower over on purpose. Two quick reminders once again. Fear the Con, June 18th for the Wing Night, 19th and 20th. If there's interest, we'll be doing some tourism in the days leading up to that. And nothing to act on yet, but be getting ready because that'll drop in early October. And then the Gamers Table Kickstarter, that is live right now. Mm -hmm. They're trying to fund their next season, which includes a live show. I don't know to what extent they're going to be doing listener questions or calling. I have no idea. Go to Gamers. Not your circus, not your clown. Yeah, not my circus, not my monkeys. But it sounds like a cool idea, and several of us will be involved in it in one degree or another. So check the show notes for a link on that. Get over there and show them your love if you can afford to. And other than that, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you guys next time. And rather than my usual see ya, I'm going to say this to Laura, and any game master out there who's game mastering for the first time, he's nuts. Other than that, you're smart, you're creative, you'll do just fine. This has been a production of Hear the Booth, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.